like this place, said Mrs. Mallard as they climbed out on the bank and waddled along. Why don't we build a nest and raise our ducklings right in this pond? There are no foxes and no turtles, and the people feed us peanuts. What could be better? Good, said Mr. Mallard, delighted that at last Mrs. Mallard had found a place that suited her, but... Look out, squawked Mrs. Mallard, all of a dither. You'll get run over. And when she got her breath, she added, this is no place for babies with all those horrid things rushing about. We'll have to look somewhere else. <laughs> Make Way for Ducklings by Robert McCloskey, and this is Books That Raised Us. I'm Alana Shapiro, an educator and mom whose best friends were books for most of my life. And I'm Esty Shapiro, a semi-adrift grad student still living in my mom's basement. Should we jump right in? Yeah. So this one was my pick, um, but what do you remember about Make Way for Ducklings? So I remember it's the story of Mr. and Mrs. Mallard, and I did remember their names, um, and they're ducklings who... Well, they're grown-up ducks. No. Oh, and, and they're, they're... ducklings. <laughs> <laughs> um, who I think are named like Ling and Ping and... <laughs> Close. They're like Quack and Mac and oh. Lack. <laughs> Sorry. Ling... Duck, duck oh, Ling and Ping I think are from Mulan. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I knew they rhymed. And they live in Boston, in downtown Boston. And they move into the island in the public garden, um, which I know because we've been to the statues of the little ducklings. Um, and on the way there, I remember they have to cross the street and a policeman helps them cross the street and they find a happy home, I know, in the on the island in the pond in the public gardens where the swan boats are because we always used to say hi to... <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Mallard and their ducklings when we would ride the swan boats. The most touristy thing we ever did. Right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's not much to summarize. You pretty much covered it, but um, this is definitely the story of Mr. and Mrs. Mallard, new parents um, in Boston trying to find um, an appropriate home for their... Uh, it's not a litter. What do you call, like, a... A gaggle, a flock. A flock. I don't know. That's a good question. Anyways, they're brood, um, and and facing off against the ever perilous um, Boston traffic. <laughs> so tell me why you chose this book. Yeah, well, so a lot of it honestly is like the Boston connection. Um, this book always just sort of felt important to me because that place was always important to our family, um, and um, I remember the statues in the public garden from when I was a kid. Um, and then, you know, all the way till I like went to college in Boston and lived there. Um, and actually when I was in school there, there was an exhibit of Robert McCloskey's like concept art at the museum of fine arts, <gasps> which was cool. like right across the street from where I lived. And so, um, yeah, it's always just sort of had that like Boston connection and, and, the, you know, the public art is significant, and it I, I just felt like it it's a classic that we had to cover. <laughs> I think that was your first, like, public art visit 
that you had a big appreciation for when you were, I don't know, like 16 months old or something. Probably. Well, and it's, it's sweet because we have pictures of us when we were very little, like on the statues in the public garden. But then um, th- this wasn't always the case, but when I was in college, um, there was some woman who used to knit. Um, yeah, like s- little scarves and hats. And, and sweaters. And so like for yeah. different like sports championships or like other... Like, for the Boston Marathon, like, for Patriots Day, they would always get a special outfit, or, like, you know, if the Red Sox were in the World Series or whatever, they would always get, like, decked out, and it was really (laughs) sweet. So when did this book come out, and when did you first read it? Yeah, so this is um, by far the oldest book we've covered so far on on the podcast. Um, Make Way for Ducklings was published in 1941, Um, so obviously I didn't read it until the late 90s when I was a oh baby but um I thought 41 was sort of significant because um part of sort of my connection to this book is through my great-grandmother who I called Nanny who who used to read it to us and who loved this book um and she was a librarian and she graduated from Simmons College um which is in Boston in 1942 with a degree in library sciences and she you know, at the time said she wanted to be a children's librarian. Like, she always sort of had an appreciation for children's literature. Yeah. And this was sort of, like, the the biggest hit, right? Like, this was, right. like, probably the most famous children's book at the time that she was, like, in school and graduating. So right. I thought that was kind of sweet. That's funny. And honestly, this might be one of the very first books ever read to you. <laughs> Um, Probably. <laughs> we have a really cute picture from when you and your brother were about a month and a half old. You were teeny, itty-bitty, itty-bitty babies. And we went downtown to the newly opened Children's Library at the um, at the Denver Public Library. And we read that book to you. And I'm pretty sure we made a video of it to send to Nanny, but That's we also high tech for the yeah, 90s. You brought like a whole a camcorder. camcorder. <laughs> um, but we also took pictures of you and and your brother in your like infants in in the stroller in the little twin stroller with this book with you. <laughs> yeah, I love that. What's your favorite part, or do you have a favorite character or anything like that? Yeah, I think my favorite part is is actually the illustrations, which I guess are <laughs> kind of hard to talk about um, on a podcast, but they're just these really beautiful, um, sort of like sketchy quality illustrations of like landscapes of downtown Boston, um, and it's sweet because some of them are like um, eye level, but like eye level for a duck. So like really like, (laughs) you know, street level, like you see the park and the pond and the street. Um, and the, you know, the cars look very big and whatever. Um, but a lot of them are actually from when the ducks are, uh, flying around looking for a home. And so they're these sort of like aerial views. And so, so that's that's cool. Yeah. So that's my favorite part is like when Mr. and Mrs. Mallard are, are looking for a home to settle (laughs) to like have, babies and and make a nest um they fly over basically all of beacon hill and so they fly over like the state house um and louisburg square is like one of the bougiest little like um park blocks of beacon hill um that's where john Kerry lives in case you were wondering it's like 
uh, a lot. Um, but I love it because both the State House and Louisburg Square aren't good enough for Mr. and Mrs. Mallard. Um, <laughs> Mostly because they don't have water. And so oh, okay. the babies are actually born on the bank of the Charles. They're born, really? Yeah, they're born, um, like, basically where the Esplanade is, like, on the river. Oh, wow. Um, which is, is kind of sweet. So that, anyways, that's, that's my favorite part. That's um, funny to think of the illustrations almost in Boston, the setting as a character in the book. I love that. Yeah. I, I guess I don't know if it's a character, but... No, but I think it is. It, it, it's definitely, like, the piece that stands out to me. Mostly just because, you know, I'm, like, familiar with those places. So was there anything that surprised you when you reread it this time? Yeah. So you mentioned that they, um, like, cross the street and you remember the policeman helping. And that that right. is true. And that happens. It's either Beacon Street or Charles Street. Sort of the street right into the public garden. Um, but what I, what I hadn't remembered is that, so the, the ducklings are born on the river, right? Like on the bank of the Charles. Um, and Mr. Mallard sort of like flies ahead to the public garden and Mrs. Mallard has to like bring the ducklings to meet him. So she makes this like really harrowing journey alone oh, with I all the ducklings. That. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Mallard isn't with her and... It's not just, they do cross the street, like a downtown street into the public garden. But I mean, imagine the geography of Boston. You're pretty familiar with the city. They have to get from basically the Esplanade to the public public garden. What street do they have to cross? Oh, they don't have to go across Storrow, do they? So <laughs> they do. So when Okay, that's terrifying. So, so when they leave the... the um, was the bridge the, the bridge river. probably wasn't even built then right yet. so so when they leave the river it says in the book that they cross the highway um and I, so i actually looked it up the fiedler footbridge wasn't built until 1953 and so mrs mallard crossed Storrow with all of her ducklings all by herself okay she's <laughs> badass then how did she do that even i don't know cuz when i was 25 and i moved away from Boston and I had to drive a U-Haul in Boston, I was still too afraid to drive it on Sturro. Okay, I'm almost so. 50 and I would not operate a motor vehicle on Sturro. It terrifies me. And that's driving with, with traffic, traffic. <laughs> let alone crossing traffic. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Anyway, so now... I did not remember that. I need to go back <laughs> to the book and reread that part now. Now I'm, I'm never going to think of the Fiedler footbridge the same ever again, but like... It could have saved a lot of little duckling lives. Oh my goodness. It's a miracle they made it across. Yeah. Well, and it's funny. I've always sort of, you know, had that imagery of like mama duck with all the baby ducklings crossing the street. Um, And and specifically in Boston, it reminds me a lot of when I was in college, I had a professor. um, One of my favorite classes actually in all of college was with Professor Lois Asher, um, and she taught a class called Boston Voyages by Book and by Foot, um, which was like an interdisciplinary humanities elective um, that she taught at least half of our class sessions, I think even more than that. Um, She would lecture on site, and so we would meet sort of at some significant place in the city, you know, we'd meet at City Hall, or we would meet in the public garden, or we would meet wherever like on the Conov Mall or you know other places that sort of were significant and and she would basically give us these like extraordinary like walking tours just you know like citing 
like history and literature and whatever, like <laughs> off the top of her head. Um, and she used to totally play mama duck. Cause you know, like crossing, <laughs> crossing streets in downtown Boston can be a little oh, perilous. And really so she would, story. she'd wait for the walk sign and she would walk out to the middle of the crosswalk and like spread her arms out and like sort of like hurry us all along and make sure the whole class got through. And then she would like pick up the rear and it okay, was so that's cute. really cute. So anyway, <laughs> Professor Asher as as Mrs. Mallard. Exactly. That's really cute. So that was sweet. Uh, rereading that. That's really sweet. Um, so are we ready for the big question? I think so. So how did this book raise you? Um. Well, I mean, I think just the biggest way is that it's it's a really sort of huge part of what made Boston always feel so special to me. Um, since I was a kid. I mean, I had family there and we used to visit, but it really like that city just always felt really important to me. Um, and I think this book is part of it, right? Like even when we were home in Denver, where I grew up, we, we just like talked about Boston a lot. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, you know, it was this like old, beautiful city relative to like Denver that was like mostly built in the seventies, you know, like the, the architecture and sort of the, like how small and like walkable it is. Um, it, yeah, it, and that, I think, just really sort of comes alive in this book, um, and, and it's, I think, in, in large part, sort of why I ended up moving there and going to, to architecture school there, um, and it's still, I think, you know, this book is still really special to me because I still love that, that city. Yeah. What about you? Um, so it's funny. I mean, I remember this book from my childhood, I think probably our librarian or a teacher at some point read it, um, to my class, but really I reconnected with this book in a big way when I met your dad and his family and went to Boston for the first time. Um, and then certainly when, when you were born and obviously we got a copy of the book, we used to read it to you a lot. Um, but for me, it's not only a connection to Boston, but really to our family there and to our memories of trips there. You know, I, I know in the book, there's obviously the public gardens and, and, um, the swan boats, I think are in the book. There are they? Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I just remember we have many, 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 <laughs> memories of visiting Boston throughout your childhood and even into, you know, your college years when I used to come out and visit you there when you were in school, um, of going to the public gardens and standing on the, the bridge over the pond and watching or riding the, the swan boats and going to the statues and taking pictures and that kind of thing. So, um, it just, it connects in that way. For Feels sure. very nostalgic. For sure. Yeah, you know, um, it sort of just occurred to me, but I think in some ways this might be the most Boston book ever written because really at its heart, this is a story about a housing crisis. <laughs> Since 1941. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. That was Make Way for Ducklings, and this is Books That Raised Us. Next week, we'll be talking about Where the Sidewalk Ends by Shel Silverstein. You can find the show anywhere you listen to podcasts and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. Until then, we're on Twitter and Instagram as at Books Raised Us. 
Our theme music is by Cooper Kaminsky. Happy reading! reading.